You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leavitt as he began to turn heads in the Junior League. Leavitt has for Long, he's got Leavitt with him, Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leavitt to right hand shot, rotates, and then sends here Long, back to Leavitt, And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leavold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leavold throwing right after right, and just connecting like crazy. Once I met Heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, Many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. I got rage when I'm whipping through the hills. Pedal to the metal when I hit the speed of chills. The doctor said no drinking when I'm out there popping pills. My life is like GTA, bitch, I'm out for kills. Ass so fat that I slapped it back to Texas Ripping on my choker, I ain't never own a necklace I'm so fucking high right now, I feel like I'm on Nexus Nike, I'm a runner, bitch, up if you try to check So you call her ID on my iPhone screen They hit me up, I hang them up, bitch, you know what I mean Cause I'm hard to get, hard to reach, hard to shit, hard to read I got plenty bitches that be chasing after me Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. Guys, this is episode number 35. Wow. Getting up there, inching closer and closer to episode number 50. That will feature my dad, Brian, will certainly be an emotional one. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. Guys, that little intro, that song, that is... uh, a new friend of mine, that's Turbo. He gave me permission to use that song. That song is called Racing After Me. Uh, it's a brand new song, guys. He's from Alberta. He's uh, he's a country kind of rap singer. He's new, uh, but let's support him, guys. Check him out. He's got a couple wicked songs, and I'm trying to hit him up to write a song for the podcast. Um, so that's Turbo, guys, Racing After Me. Check it out. And of course, guys, hopefully you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, guys, you can check them out anywhere on social media, at Hockey Podcast. Net, of course, uh, www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Uh, they're getting close to somewhere 40 podcasts, one for every NHL team. Of course, uh, bonus content like Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, Ice Analytics. 
uh, House of Hockey, and of course, Tales with TR uh, Hockey Podcast. That's Terry Ryan's podcast. That's the number one show on our network, guys, so check it out. He is hilarious. Um, Always lots of fun whenever I can talk to Terry. He's going to be coming on the podcast soon, uh, but definitely, guys, uh, follow along on the Hockey Podcast Network um, and check them out. Um, They've been a great, great fit for me, and I'm so thankful to be on the network. Um, Just before I say anything else, as I always do, because I have to be, because why wouldn't I be? Let's take a moment to be grateful. Um, Man, I was up this morning at 4.45, I got in the shower, uh, had a cup of tea, took my CBD drops from Tanner Wilshaw, thank you to him, uh, hit the lake and I went fishing. I didn't catch anything, but listen, I was down there by myself, no kids, um, nobody else around, uh, got to take in some nature, which was great, um, and just do some reflecting. So I'm just so thankful to be alive, so thankful to be clean and sober today, um, and thankful Um, for all of you listening um, because I understand that you're spending your precious time here on earth listening to Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. So I hope you hear something. Um, I'm really excited to to talk to my guests. I have a few more things before we get into that. Of course, guys, I wish I was, but I'm not recording in the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio, guys. It's still under construction. Matthew Lashinsky, guys, if you follow along in the podcast, you know who he is and you're going to continue to hear about him. But if you are a first-time listener, Matthew Lashinsky was born in the same year as me, 1987. Uh, I was a Western Hockey League player. He was an OHL uh, player. He was drafted second round by the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the Bantam Draft. Man, he struggled with mental health and addiction just like myself. Um, And unfortunately, um, Matthew Lashinsky lost his battle and we lost him in 2017 to an overdose. And uh, I didn't get to meet this young man, uh, but a new friend in Matt Thompson shared this story with me, guys. And uh, since then, you guys know if you're listening, we're teaming up, building the studio. Uh, I'm in the makeshift Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio right now, but I got his old game-worn skates behind me. Uh, I got a plaque made from a new friend in Chad Balcom. So we're really excited, guys. Stay tuned for that. Hopefully by August 1st, it'll be uh, pretty much complete once Matt Thompson gets his ass back down here. Yeah, what's up, Matt? I'm calling you out, bud. Um, Anyways, quickly too, I want to say, you know, a shout out to my friend Paul Rosen uh, down in South Lake near Newmarket, Ontario. Paul, of course, was uh, on the podcast. He's a a para-hockey goalie, or he was for Team Canada, a gold medalist at the Paralympics. Uh, A new friend of mine, he's very involved in the Puck Support Foundation, but he's suffering and battling with pneumonia right now. So we wish Paul a speedy, speedy recovery. Everyone from my family and the Hockey to Heroin family um, and all the viewers, I'm sure, we wish you a speedy, speedy recovery. Uh, We can't wait uh, for you to get back. Uh, on your feet and uh, more involved with the puck support and uh, I can't wait to actually shoot on you bud because we both haven't been on skates for a while get on your sled again and uh, see if I can't light you up Um, but Paul Rosie bud feel better Um, I'm just so proud to call you a friend man 
Uh, it's been uh, wonderful getting to know you. I wish you a speedy recovery, guys. Uh, that's it. But of course, you know, this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out. Teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Guys, I give away Team Issued gear all the time on social media. Check out my website hockeytoheroin.com sign up for all the giveaways i'm close to launching a new website a couple more days it should be ready to go um but if anyone's sick of listening to me talking uh let's do it let's get right into this episode Dodie wood is going to go at it with brashear right now behind the play a fight it's Dodie wood again Chetwin, British Columbia, Canada, the former Seattle Thunderbirds, Swift Current Bronco, San Jose Shark, Kansas City, Blade. He also played for the Albany River Rats. He even went over to Scotland, it looks like, played in Dayton and for the Memphis River Kings. This guy was a legitimate banger in the NHL. Uh, No secret by his intro there, guys. I cannot wait to touch base with this guys let's bring him right in episode 35 from chetwin british columbia Dodie wood man thanks Dodie, for doing this oh thanks for having me on the show hey dode listen man i'm I'm just happy we could connect uh between my bullshit and uh your job um it was uh, it was a little difficult but hey we're doing it now and, and thanks so much for joining me yeah the last couple days we've been hit or miss but i'm we got some time now so let's get her done eh (laughs) <laughs> That's right, buddy. Um, you know, I I want to talk to you a little bit. Um, I want to get into, uh, you know, what it was like for you growing up uh, in Chetwin, British Columbia. Um, you're of uh, native heritage. Um, and 
Uh, you grew up in northern British Columbia. What was what was it like playing hockey as a kid up there? Actually, it was bad. We all like. I guess hockey has changed from when uh, minor hockey. We had tournaments every weekend, so we were from a small town. But we had like Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, even Mackenzie, where where Turner Stevenson's from. Like we had spots all the time. We played every weekend, and I and I remember growing up. That's all we did. During the winter, it was either we're playing road hockey outside during the week, and we played tournaments all week. And now it seems like it's, it's few and far between. I don't know if there's more kids playing hockey now or or if just everything's dialed back, I guess, in the sport right now. Yeah, it's a, that's a good question, but uh, it seems to be. I mean, yeah, it's no secret. It just uh, I, I, I never see kids playing street hockey anymore. It's crazy. They don't, uh, you know, I barely even see kids riding bikes nowadays. The world's certainly changed. But, you know, you broke into the Western Hockey League uh, after playing uh, in the PCJHL, which is now the PIJHL, I believe. Uh, you played for the Fort St. John Huskies. Uh, 44 games played, 51 goals, 73 assists, 124 points, 270 penalty minutes. What kind of season is that? Um, that is insane. Uh, from there, listen to this, guys. He, he went from Fort St. John to the Western Hockey League with the Seattle Thunderbirds. In his first year with Seattle, 69 games played, 28 goals, 37 assists, 65 points and 272 penalty minutes. Dodie, you how many fights do you figure you had in your career from junior to pro? Oh man, I wouldn't even be able to guess. I'd I'd average probably 20 to 30 a year fighting. Probably played 10 10 years, and that's only league games, exhibition, playoffs. I I'd be I don't know three, four, five hundred. I wouldn't even be able to guess. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, listen, I don't uh, doubt it for one second. You had over um, 300 penalty minutes twice. Um, one year, your max was 341 minutes in one year, and that was in 77 games, and you still had 41 points, which is incredible. Um, you also uh, had another season uh, with Kansas City, uh, with 320 pims, and you came close to 300 multiple times. Like, um, you are the first person on the podcast. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of fighters, um, a lot of legitimate tough guys. Um, but I look at these these penalty minutes and, and your stats. Uh, you were always able to play the game too, weren't you? Uh, well, actually, when I got the call to go to Seattle from, from, from St. John, Peter Anholt was my coach, and he's, if people that know Peter Anholt, he come from uh, played in Prince Albert, coached in Prince Albert, I believe, and then he's the head coach in uh, uh, Seattle. His first thing he told me is there. There's a lot of players that could score. There's a lot of players that could play PP, play PK, but there's only a handful of guys that could also mix in fighting. And he actually saw me fight a couple times, surprised them because I was a hundred and. 180, 185 pounds when I first got there. And, yeah, he told me if I could incorporate that into my game, that good things would happen, and I ended up getting drafted in the third round that year. Yeah, you were drafted uh, in the third round by the San Jose Sharks um, in 1991. Uh, that was uh, following your first year, in the, your first full year in the Western League. 
So you were 17 years old when you got drafted, or were you 18? I was 18. So so you broke into the Western League at 18, Doty? Yeah, yeah. I, I played junior, I guess, junior A hockey up here until uh, I turned 18 uh, when I was in Seattle my first year. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so what was that experience like when you got the call, uh, when you got drafted to San Jose? Um, you know, before, let's, let's take it back a sec. Before you left for Seattle, um, where was your mind at? If you can remember, as far as a hockey player goes, where was your confidence at before going to Seattle? Were you in, your, in the mindset, I'm going to Seattle and I'm going to get drafted and I'm going to be a National Hockey League player? No, uh, actually, uh, to be all honest, I was playing junior A hockey, so I didn't have to go work at the sawmill with my dad till I was done playing at 21. I figured if I could drag out another three years of junior A hockey, I wouldn't have to work for my dad. <laughs> well, hey, it worked out nicely for you. And um, actually, it's kind of funny because you're um, one of many now uh, that – uh, played for the Swift Current Broncos that's graced this podcast with their presence. Uh, no secret, I'm a Bronco alumni, but you only played a, three regular season games uh, and then the playoffs with them, but you were traded actually for Kimby Daniels. Was that correct? Yes. Uh, so Seattle was hosting the Memorial Cup that year, and we, I think we got off to like a 3-18 and 18 start, so they were going to pull – the Memorial Cup out of Seattle unless they done something and Kimby Daniels was playing for the Flyers he wasn't even in Swift Current and they were going to be sending him back so the trade was done pending whenever uh, uh, Kimby got sent down oh wow that's funny hey I got something here uh, I think we'll jump in right now um, because I think this is funny um, and I think you're going to enjoy this so here check this out So Todd Holt here. I'm, uh, I remember playing with Doty down in the IHL, playing in Kansas City versus uh, Las Vegas. And Doty's kind of ornery that night, and he's just looking for a looking for a fight. And good night, Jim Kite wasn't giving him a chance, and wasn't giving him the opportunity. And Clint Malarczyk was in net, and I was on Doty's line, we're mucking line, and Doty uh, asked me to. Uh, give it a high dump and run Malarchuk. Kite's going to jump in. Dodie will get, get on Kite. Don't worry about it. I got Kite. I'm like, I don't care if you got Kite. <laughs> I said, I'm running Clint Malarchuk. The guy's psycho. Anyways, we, uh, we go on to the the next shift. We get out there. Dodie's like, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks or whatever to do it. So there we are. I'm out there. I give him a high dump. Malarchuk's looking up at the roof ready to catch it. I just go right through him and into the net and I'm just getting fed by Malarchuk. The net's on top of it. I can't go anywhere. But all you can hear was boof, boof. Just those face punches. And it was Dodie and, and uh, Jim Kite squaring off right behind the net there. Me and, Mal- and Malarchuk kind of stopped. And we're on our knees looking out and I'm going, sorry, Clint, Clint, Dodie wanted to fight. He's like, Stupid kids. Anyways, Dodie gets this fight with Jim Kite. And we're standing there, and I finally get out from underneath, and the, the rafter grabbed me, like, What are you doing? 
And it's like, it's for Dodie, man. And so Dodie finally got his fight with Jim Kaiser. I took about eight blockers. And I think he's trying to rip my eyes out. He's trying to do everything. I said, That's what you do for your brothers in the IHL. So I did that for Dodie one day. And it was the most memorable evening of my life. So pretty funny. <laughs> That's a good one, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's an old story. He went deep in the archives for that. Well, thanks to Todd Holt for that one because, uh, you know, me and Holter, we, we talked yesterday and, uh, you know, Holter is another Bronco alumni and uh, he had nothing but great things to say about you. And um, he's like, oh, Dodie's going to be a great guest. He's got some of the best one-liners. And, and when he shared that story, um, I was like, man, hold on one sec. Let me press record. I want everybody to hear this. This is hilarious. So... Um, that just goes to show you, you know what I mean? Like there aren't too many guys <laughs> that are really going to look to, to get a guy like that. I mean, I did, but there aren't too many guys. Um, usually guys, it just happens when it happens, but that's hilarious and, and good on Holter for, uh, for taking one for the team. Hey, eh? Oh, he, yeah, he done it lots of times for me. Even when we played in uh, a swift current together, we had lots of fun. Yeah, that's what he said, too. So, um, you know, after your time in Swift Current, uh, that was it for your junior career. Off to the big time, the NHL. Um, what was that experience like? Um, how far into training camp did you think um, that you were actually going to make that make the big club that year? Actually, I was told when I went, like, we used to train in Brainerd, Minnesota. And there's a few, uh, the Calgary Flames used to send their players there uh, I, during the summer. So I got to Cal- like I got to practice and play with a few of the guys from the minors that were slated in, like Link Gates, Kevin Evans, uh, Doug Zamolik, like uh, guys that were playing under the North Stars team the year before, right? Because part of the split with San Jose it wasn't a huge expansion draft. It was they took half of the Minnesota players, right? And they ended up taking like quite a few players that played the rough style of the game, right? So I got to play in practice with them. So I knew that style, I had a chance to make the club, but by playing and wanting to be a third or fourth line player, got to play all the time, I knew I was pushing it. So I leaned more towards the fighting side of it. Yeah, and I mean... You fought all the big guys too, eh? Like you fought uh, Donald Brashear. Um, who was the toughest guy you think you fought, or the guy that maybe was there ever a time? You know, I, I'd like to hear who the toughest guy is, if because some guys won't answer that question, um, but I will if somebody asks me because it's just a question. Um, it's nothing against anybody else I fought. There's just some guys are tougher than others. But I mean, everyone's the way I look at it. And and Chris Nyland made this point. Uh, he was on the podcast and he said. Um, you know, all the guys he fought were tough because, you know, anybody that fights is tough because it's a t- it's the toughest fucking job in the world because uh, you know how stressful it can be. But I'd like to know who the toughest was. Um, yeah, who the toughest was that you ever fought? And was there ever a time where, you know, your mentality of, you know, fighting anybody was almost questioned where it was like, maybe I shouldn't fight this guy. Did that ever happen? Uh, there's, uh, there's a few guys that... Uh that going into the fight, like, I was a little nervous. Like, obviously, I guess the toughest guy I fought, Bob Probert. He, like, and the bad thing, I do have a photo of it. I was able, uh, someone tracked me down. It was years later. 
and had a photo of it, but like there's no video. But I remember going into that game and honestly, I didn't care if I got knocked out. I supposed to be knocked out. Like this guy was legitimately the toughest guy in the NHL. But yeah. like, but it, it wasn't the fear of getting beat up. It was actually what what I was scared of was seeing the lights when I woke up. I never ever wanted to be knocked out or carried off the ice or or anything like that. So it wasn't the fear that the player it was the fear of the end result. But like Donald Brashear punches super hard. Uh, like Ty Domi actually was my hardest fight because I was used to fighting everybody that was three, four inches taller than me. So you yeah. get used to pulling inside. Well, here I'm pulling a guy that is used to fighting everyone bigger than him as well. And, and you rely on your uppercuts. You rely on your short little jabs, right? Like yeah. I, I just wasn't used to fighting anybody my size. Scott Walker from Vancouver, same thing. My height, we had the best fight because like, uh, now we're fighting somebody that is equal to our size. We just stood back and threw till we both got tired. It wasn't we didn't knock each other out, but I remember I couldn't even skate to the bench uh, to the penalty box. The ref was kind of pushing me from behind to keep my <laughs> momentum going, right? Because you're dead tired after a minute and a half throwing punches oh, yeah. at each other. Oh yeah, that's uh, I've seen. Yeah, you had a couple with Ty. Eh? That, though, it's interesting that you say that because. You know, I didn't have anywhere near the fights you were against the caliber guys you 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 fought. But um, now that you say that, I, I think about it. Like I fought Derek Dorsett, who was pretty tough. He fought in the NHL, and um, he's the same size as me. I'm not very big, and I was always fighting guys bigger than me. Guys that were I fought a guy that was six foot nine one time, and same thing. I I did bigger, better against the bigger guys. It was the guys that my same size. I never realized this. Even got it was, the, and I would never. I remember fighting this one guy, Devin Kalinsky. He played for the Calgary Hitmen, and he was younger than me. And I I thought I was just gonna. I thought I was gonna run all over him. You know what I mean? Like uh and this kid like gave me a good run and I was like wow you know scrappy kid but you make a you make a good point um but yeah I didn't know that you fought Proby um pretty sad um with what's been going on in the hockey world as far as um mental health and addiction and everything um how was your transition after leaving the game uh in 2003-2004 um, that was probably the last time he suited up. I know you went back and played in the Allen Cup, and I want to talk about that. Um, but how was the transition initially when you left the game of pro hockey for you personally? I I actually fell into like a real good situation, and it was just perfect timing coming home. Like uh, oil and gas is huge up up where I I am, especially at the time when I first got back. So uh, a good friend of mine, Jason Lagreca, and and Mike Harris had an uncle that worked in the valve business. His name was Jim France. He did, like, and, and I knew nothing about oil and gas. I didn't know, like, what the valves are, anything, right? Uh, this guy gave me a chance to prove myself. And, and just like, like anything, like once you said, I have an addictive personality, I guess, is the best way to say it. When I do something, I got to try to be the best at it. So I actually worked, worked and worked at it. I actually got to stay stay on with the company for like five, six years with him. And then and then another good friend of mine, Daryl Campbell, got me into operating like well sites and gas plants and and it was all it, it's all on hand training. Like I don't have like the courses, I don't have the background like the GPOs or or for uh 
power engineering or anything like that. It was all on-hand experience, and it was because of the certain people that I associated myself with that. Of course, uh, it, it did help me playing hockey before, like yeah. because like I like I knew how to, I guess, participate in a team environment, right? Like like not every like a life's not fair. Not everyone's going to make the same wage. Not everyone's going to. But but it's just like hockey, right? Like growing up. Like you're like uh, when I turned pro, I I made twenty seven thousand my first year. Like like guys don't even go to the rink. Like some months, like making that in a month. So I knew how to play as a team player, and it actually opened the doors for the oil and gas. So I was lucky with that side of it. I got like two good people that still live in this town, like uh, helped me along, and now I've been in the oil and gas ever since then. Yeah, that's see, that's lucky, and and not everybody has that. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I mention it all the time. Like, there are certain advantages of of playing hockey, and um, at any level, uh, I think that's a good point. Um, there's a lot of you know, I talk a lot about things that you know, negative aspects of hockey, and and things that are not so much negative, but you know, uh, on this show we talk about the problems with hockey, and I often forget to talk about the uh, the amazing gifts that hockey brings to the to the world, to the to our children, to me, to you, um, in you know, in those environments, like you said, um, you know, being able to work in that that team environment. Because I've seen it where, where not everybody knows how to cooperate in, in large groups and work as a team. And um, it's actually a, a very valued skill. And, and you're right. You probably don't get that opportunity. Um, certainly not um, as easy without having that you know type of personality. And you like you said, you learned it from hockey. Um, you made the jump from you know the WHL to the San Jose Sharks. And that was 92-93. Um, you split time between San Jose and Kansas City, um, and you did that for the next couple of seasons. Um, and then in 95, 96, um, 96, 97, um, and 97, 98 were kind of your, or I guess not so much 97, 98, but 96, 97, 95, 96 were your, your two most full-time uh, years in the NHL. Um, how hard was it once you're up? to go down to the minors? Well, actually, I was... The times I did get set down were conditioning since, right? Because, like, every year I was in San Jose, we had a new coach. Uh, They're going through, uh, like, I kind of, like... It was crazy. So, I had to... (laughs) Like, I I had to reestablish myself every year to have a new coach. So, the first half of the season I hardly played so I, I would go down to Kansas City but that's where I felt comfortable like after practicing for two months skating with a guy like Owen Noel and Jeff Freeze and Patrick Marlowe like those guys could fly like I couldn't keep up with them but when I went to the minors I was one step faster than I was when I left that's or right. even couple right so I actually had fun when I got sent down to the minors I still did what I had to do on the physical side, but I actually was able to play the game. Like I was on, I was on the penalty kill. Like I was first unit penalty kill. I got to see like fairly rarely, but uh, power play, right? Like I still didn't like getting stick, so they couldn't put me in front of the net because I'd end up making it a four on four. I wasn't that smart sometimes. 
but right so i didn't get many tp chances but i got to play the game and actually that's what would would rejuvenate me to go back up and if i had to sit the crowd or practice or right like i only played 100 and, i think 106 games over like five years being there that's not very many games it's still more than uh, most guys play. You played a hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you played a hundred and six games, eight goals, ten assists, eighteen points, four hundred and seventy-one penalty minutes, um, over five seasons. Yeah. So, but like uh, going down to the minors, I didn't look at it as being demoted. So I, I never had a problem going down. Like, like the very first time I ever felt like I made the team, I fought Dave Matson and tied Omi in the same game with Winnipeg. But oh people God. don't, what people don't understand, I was sent home right after that game. And wow. I actually had a conversation with the coach that what do I got to do to stick? And he said, the ticket was already bought for you to go back because uh, uh, we we're playing a tough team down in the minors. And I was the only, only one in Kansas city that played that style. So, so it didn't matter if I had a hat trick, but those guys, I was going down, but I was going to be recalled after that weekend. And that was, I think, the determining factor for me to stay was my fight with Ty Domi when he's in Winnipeg. Yeah, no doubt. That, um, you know, so going into that game, uh, going in, you know, you, you obviously know who Ty Domi is at that time and, and guys like Bob Probert. But, you know, so you going into that game with, with the plan to fight Ty, do you know Ty? Do you talk to him in warm-up? Um, do you try to call him, you know, from the bench when he's skating by? How how does that take place? No, I just, uh, well, I knew if, the, if, if there was a chance that I was going to fight with him. And it was right after him and Probert had the the big battle where Ty was was given the heavyweight belt. So hmm. then I'm thinking, holy, what am like, I'm biting off more than, uh, more than I could chew, but I had to do what I wanted to do to stay, right? So I kind of knew when. And as the play was happening in the corner, actually, I blindsided him with a clean hit, and then I stood above him. So I kind of give him no choice but to get up and fight because I am standing above him in front of 20,000 people. Like, everyone in the building knows I want to fight, so he had no choice but to get up and fight. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, eh? So you got your chance, you laid him out, uh, and then stood over top of him. Do you remember that at all? Do you remember? I mean, listen, I don't really remember much about being on the ice because adrenaline takes over, but there are certain moments like that. Um, you know, there's certain times in my career that, you know, it doesn't matter how fast things were going. Um, something happened or I made a decision on the ice that will stick with me forever. Um, and it almost kind of slows down. Do you remember like making contact with Ty and like it's kind of slowing down him like looking you like waiting for him to get up? Do you remember that at all? Uh, when I talk about it, or, or when I watch a video, like I like, I've been fortunate. Like I've had lots of people. Like I got probably seven, six, seven hours right from juniors to uh, even when I played over in England uh, on one video. So, like a few people that do want to watch it, I don't watch it all the time. I barely even watch it to be honest. But when I do, I can remember every single fight. Like, and it's kind of like, oh, like I. I even know what's going to happen next kind of thing. Like, like I remember the feeling in the penalty box that like, like we didn't even talk. Yeah. He just, he just looked over at me. Like, give me a little clap, give me a wink. And he says, you know, we're, this is happening again. And I'm like, yeah, not tonight though. Cause I'm, I won. I'm going to ravish this one right here. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Eh? So technically you, you got the belt. 
you know, he, he was just a champ and you came in and because uh, I've seen the fight and even the announcers say like, yeah, you clearly, you know, are, are the victor in that fight. I know you guys fought. I think you guys fought a couple times, but you, if you have all that footage, I think, you know, there's a lot of and I'm telling you, I mean, you, you were a fan favorite um, pretty much everywhere you went. Like people have been excited about this episode. People I don't even know, like people that I've connected with on social media and they saw you were coming on and I'm hearing from people from Kansas City and they're like, when's the episode coming out? Um, <laughs> you were also voted, you were voted the most popular player twice and you uh, also, you know, won the community service awards down there. So you're a great guy off the ice too. You uh, were a fan favorite and I can tell that just by people reaching out. So it's really nice that people made it uh, available to you to have all those um, hours of, of fights and highlights because it's not back then it's not like it is now with YouTube and all of that but um, I think there's a lot of people out there um, that would like to see all those fights and I know there's a few of them on YouTube but if there's more um, I think we should make that available and make it out there forever and I'd like to make that I'm good with editing and stuff like that that's kind of my forte is is video editing and, and that's what I like to do I think that the world needs to see all of these and just because honestly Dodie the way that the game is changing like I don't even really watch hockey anymore um, and it's not because there's not as much fighting it's not the fighting that I care so much about of course fighting to me will always be a part of hockey and should always be a part of hockey and you can't take it out because it's just such a fast-paced aggressive game and it just instincts take over and that's the beautiful thing about hockey um, is that you just you know you can let you can watch people play and their instincts take over and a fight will break out like that you know because everybody can relate to that they they they've experienced that at work when they're like fuck that guy pissed me off i just want to knock him out but they can't so they go to the hockey games and they see that they see that same aggression but now these two guys can they can fight it out and um but it's not only that Dodie. it's it's just the guy like it just i don't know there just seems like there's not a whole lot of passion the skill level is tremendous let's not kid ourselves the skill is is higher than it's ever been but it just seems to be lacking passion and like aggression and like just love for the game. Do you, do you watch hockey at all? I I watch the playoffs. I I don't really uh, watch the regular season, but I uh, when I do go to a live game, it's been Edmonton. And to be honest, I haven't seen anybody like Connor McDavid. Like I know everyone's making a big deal, but the guy has a second and third gear. Like it's, it's amazing ridiculous, to watch. Eh? Like like going to watch something like that. It was fun, but like. Like there's another guy from my hometown, Derek England. So whenever he was, like he played for Pittsburgh, Calgary. Uh, he's in Las Vegas. He's the one that gives the speech right after the shootings in Las Vegas, right? Like so, this town buzzes. Like we have a current NHL guy from Chetland, right? So yeah. it's kind of like so when we go do uh, stuff like like I will go watch him. I went to Vegas to watch him. Like so, I do watch hockey still, but I think I follow and. There isn't any, like, since Patrick Marlowe, I think, called it quit. I, I don't have anybody that I can connect with that way anymore. I say, oh, yeah, I used to play with them. So I, I find it not as fun now. So I'm able to do that because, and and to be honest, I've never met, I've, I've never met Derek England. He's from the same town. I was away when he lived here. I moved back. Obviously, he was away playing, right? But I know his family well. Right, and uh, actually, me and his one sister, Carlene, we battle all the time. I will bet against this team just to fire her up. So, that's, <laughs> that, like, right, like that's the kind of fun we have. So, that's, that's the only awesome. time I really watch hockey now. Yeah, it's um, 
I, I really don't watch hockey, and now it's going to be interesting because, you know, hockey's starting back up, and, um, you know, I'll probably for the first time talk a little bit more about it, and it's going to be interesting. What are your th- what are your thoughts on the, the current situation with the NHL and the way that they're handling it and the, the formation they're going with? Do you like it? I can't imagine the like all the hard decisions they had to make. You like even for the players, like I don't like I really don't want to get in the COVID because personally my take of it, I'm from a little small town up north. We just had our first case here that is close enough to my hometown. Like we've had nothing with COVID, but we still had to go through the whole like isolation and stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I can't imagine what they're doing with like with that high volume of players like it's not like even wearing face masks is going to help them right like so i don't like the decision behind the scene had to be tough so but if all the players are on board like that's all that should matter like it's like i do want to see a winner because the one year where there was no stanley cup winner like it's it's bad for the sport yeah i agree and and this is the thing, like, uh, it's really unfortunate because you look at, and I was talking about it with Matt Thompson, a friend of mine last night, and, and we've talked about it multiple times, is, you know, think about all the guys that are not going to get, you know, scholarships because they were, you know, their junior A seasons were shut down and they were, you know, there's probably, you know, a handful of players that were, had no scholarships but they were going to have a, an amazing playoff run or their team was going to win a championship and that was going to open the door. Or a guy in the Western League that wasn't drafted, that's 20 years old, that has an amazing playoff run or plays on a Mem Cup team and now gets an NHL contract or an AHL contract. And, and it filters down. These guys that are 20, they don't get to play out their final years. You know what I mean? And, and all the even in the Minor Hockey Association, I, I know that you know a lot of these <laughs> young guy kids, they... they their finals got stopped sometimes like with one game to go. They, the one deciding game in the finals with the series tied 2-2, two, two, best of three, like 10, 11, 12-year-olds, and they're just heartbroken that they can't play. So um, I think it – I agree with you. I think as long as the players are on board, that's all that should matter. And I think it's going to be um, some some extremely positive light in, in a time um, that I, I believe needs it. Yeah, well, that's funny you say that. Like, like I never even thought of it the way you said it about the players. Like, um, like I was, I was in the last year of my contract. I got sent down from from San Jose. It was a disciplinary send down, but Kansas City was starting starting the playoffs. That year, I ended up like like having the best run of my like whole career. And I, I ended up with 17 points in 21 playoff games. Signed a one a one way contract the very next year. So without that playoff run like it could have changed a whole bunch for me i ended up signing a contract with calgary but san jose matched it so i stayed in san jose but that was because i had that playoff run so so with you saying the kids and like the final year about like even high school hockey to go to college or or college to go to pro like like i do feel for those guys now and and i never thought of it so like yeah, I, I see that here. I Sorry, sorry, Dodie. Yeah, I see that here. Um, in 94-95 with Kansas City, 21 games, 7 goals, 10 assists, 17 points, and 87 pims. And you were a plus 10. So, interesting enough, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's cool because... 
Calgary, you see, Calgary probably would have not come calling, right, if you don't have that playoff run. Maybe they do, but that certainly helps. And now because they came, now San Jose is like, no, 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 we want him, right? But does San Jose going to, would San Jose, do you think, offer you a one-way contract if, if Calgary doesn't? I don't know, right? So that's what I mean. You're a prime example, and so am I, because I had a great year, my 20-year-old year, after quitting the WHL at 18 and everything else, um, but you know, had a great year and got a contract. And without that, I don't have a pro contract. And you know, without you having that playoff run, you don't get your one-way contract from Calgary that gets matched. So there's a lot more to it here, um, but I, I definitely think that you know it's going to be exciting. Um, for the first time in a while, I think I'm actually going to watch hockey. I think it's like six or ten hours a day or something. Um, but it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, for sure. I wanted to talk to you a little bit um, because you actually fought um, one of my favorites, uh, Gino Ojic. Um, and uh, you actually played with him. Um, and you played on a line with him. Um, and Sasha Lakovic, who um, unfortunately Sasha has passed away, rest in peace. He's uh, cousins with uh, a friend of mine, Ned Lukasovic, who I grew up with playing. He's a Swift Current Bronco alumni too, Ned is. But, um, you know, uh, you fought all these guys growing up, played against them and everything. And, and here you are, you, uh, yeah, you guys end up playing on the same <laughs> senior men's team uh, for the Horse Lake Thunder. Uh, and you went and you played in the Allen Cup. What was that experience like, Dodie? I actually never made the. I, I didn't go to the Allen Cup. We had a little bit of a falling out there in Horse Lake, whatever reason. It was like, uh, but like there's Flurry, there's Ojek, Lakovic, Parsons. Like they, they had a stacked team there. It was, but but I ended up like I wasn't ready to play. To, well, to be honest, I retired for like personal reasons and stuff like that. But I ended up going back to coach. And to coach guys like that, it was even harder to coach them than play with them. <laughs> oh, so you were there as a coach? Yeah. So, so oh I wasn't there as a God. player. I was there as a coach. And when they wanted to go on the ice, they just went on the ice. It didn't matter. But like, <sighs> but like it, but it was a fun experience, right? Like they, like, still the drive for them to win. So they're I like I could see where they're coming from. But it was senior men's hockey, and it was. Like, like it was awesome up here. Like, you go to a senior men's game, there's six to eight fans, and usually it's your your current girlfriend, your old girlfriend, right? But when when those guys, like, we go anywhere, people are waiting out, outside to, like, buy a ticket and enter the game. So it did a lot for senior men's uh, hockey up north. For sure. And it's, uh, it's interesting because I'm actually going to come. I haven't played since 2012. Um, and I'm coming out, I'm 32, so I'm not that old, but I'm coming out of retirement. Uh, I play some senior men's out here. Um, you got, what do you, what do you think I should expect going into it? Um, how, what's the caliber of hockey like? Actually, the caliber of hockey for senior men's has, has changed from, well, I actually shouldn't even change because I didn't watch it when, when I was younger, but like, there's so many players that, uh, that either get homesick and don't leave town or or they have a girlfriend they don't want to leave like like we're a small town right and just seeing that in in, in my town was amazing like when you hear stories and wonder why guys didn't make it so but they all come together and and it is it 
it's a drive to win. They're not out there just to have fun. They're there to win. So, yeah, you'll get guys that, like, obviously they're going to pull up your stats and see, right? There's going to be guys that never had that chance that are going to want to test themselves. Like, that's the part that I, that I found hard when I tried to play senior men. Yeah, I and that's that's true because I mean I, I've played beer league out down in the Lower Mainland of BC because I'm from Port Coquitlam. I'm just living in Ontario now for the last couple of years, but um, I think I have like a 50 year suspension from a beer league game because I got <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I I got in a, a double fight on the ice and then went into the dressing room and attacked two players because they like the guy speared my friend like it was bad like it wasn't me i just went crazy because he speared my friend like the guy should have been thrown in jail for how bad the spear was you know what i mean and i just went crazy but um yeah i can never play i think i'll be dead by the time my suspension's lifted <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny and like it's actually on the website too which is the best part it's like brady Leavold 50 years and it's like 47 years 28 days remaining or whatever however many <laughs> however long it's been it's probably 40 years now but pretty funny stuff. Um, but I, I definitely can see that, um, especially if, you know, guys, you, have, more than me. I mean, yeah, they can pull up my stats. But if you're playing senior men's, you fought Ty Domi, Bob Probert. Man, like those two right there, maybe the two most famous fighters in all of hockey ever. Um arguably like you know you can if you want to get back into the 70s and go dave the hammer schultz and 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 the broad street bullies and all that sure i we can go to that but i'm talking like when i was growing up your era let's talk about the two most notable fighters it's got to be bob probert and ty domi um i mean who else there's a few in there but um so you you fought both those guys so of course there's guys running around trying to fight you um how did you respond in those situations? Did you fight in senior men's? Oh, yeah. I still had the short fuse as when I played pro. So that's, well, that's another reason. I, I couldn't have fun because, of, but I'm also 34, 35 years old, right? Like, I'm, I slowed down a whole pile since, like, playing, right? But I, on my mind, didn't. I still had the short fuse. I got slashed and, like, why two-handed a guy and he's probably 53 and I felt terrible after the game but but during the moment I probably would have slashed him again if he didn't fall down like so like I just didn't have the fuse to play for fun yeah I know so are you uh, I'm the same way man that's what I mean the 50-year suspension but what are you uh how are you involved with hockey now are you doing anything are you doing any coaching um do you have kids that play family that plays what do you What's your involvement with hockey, or is there any? So what, a few years ago, I, I went back to, like, I, I coached senior men for Horse Lake for, like, four or five years, and then and then I did minor hockey here in Chetwin. I took the midget team, and, and like, uh, my kid's 23. Uh, he lives in the States. I got two twin girls, 12, that live in England. So it was just donate my time here. But I think this year I'm going to go back, like, even if hockey starts up here, uh, we've been hearing that they're not going to be uh, only half the kids are allowed on the ice for practice, uh, like one day a week and the other kids. So I don't know how everything's falling in place, but I did have plans to go back and try to help coach this year. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good idea. I think, I think it's important too, especially if you look at, um, you know, a small town like yours, 
Uh, I'm living in a, in a very small town in Utterson. Like Utterson doesn't even have its own rank. It, you have to go to, you know, it's like a, a suburb, but not a, even a suburb. Cause, I mean, you have to drive 20 minutes to get to the next city. But, um, you know, it's all sort of like in the district. So I would go to Bracebridge Minor Hockey or whatever. And even that, it's the town's only whatever, 14,000 people. It's probably bigger than Chetwin, but maybe not. I, I'm not sure how big Chetwin is. But I think it's important, um, you know, for a guy like yourself um, not only for your own sanity, um, but I think it's good to give back to the community. And, and obviously, I look at your, your, you know, you were the man of the year, community service of the year in Kansas City. So generally, naturally, that's what you want to do. Um, I think it's uh, important to show these kids in Chetwind um, that they can dream and, and make it to the NHL because Chetwind is, you know, I've never been there. I, I couldn't... Uh, I, I generally kind of have an idea where it is, but I can imagine um, growing up there, um, especially when you were a kid. Now it's a little bit easier to dream with social media, um, but even still, um, you know they have Derek England to look up to. You said or England, um, but I think it's important you're the one that's there to to lead by example and be like, hey kids, you know I played in the NHL and you can do it too, and I want to help you. Is that sort of where your mindset's at? Yeah, well I. Well, I have a nephew now that so I, the last year I actually spent a lot of time at the rink as a spectator just watching my nephew play and he kind of reminds me of me he's the smallest player on the ice but he has the biggest heart like he, like he tries hard and even just going down there just me like yelling from the stand just to let him know that I'm there I could see that it picks him up and whatever so it'd be kind of nice if I could like I can't spend uh, spend as much time as I'd like I, I would like at the rink, but my job, like they do understand family, community service. Like I work for Shell Canada, and they're huge on your family and giving back to the community. So if I did go ask, they probably would accommodate. But like, I'm also stepping on other parents' toes that do want to be a part of their their kid's life. So so hopefully I could find a happy medium that I like. I could coach my nephew's team and I'll also have a few cousins that play too around the same age group. So I could catch, like I could coach them if they're on the same team next year. Yeah, for sure. That's a, I think that's a great idea. I think giving back in any, in any capacity, that's what I'm looking at doing. I actually sent a few emails to the Bracebridge minor hockey association today, just offering my services at any capacity to volunteer, um, not to take on a full team or anything like that, but just to come talk to the kids or do some skills stuff or anything. Um, you know, even if you want me to sell 50-50 tickets, I'll sell 50-50 tickets. I don't give a shit. I just want to, I just want to be of service because I've, uh, I've been in a really dark place these past 10, 12 years. And, uh, you know, I want to give back and I feel that, you know, I, I think everybody has something to give and there's certainly, um, a lot of areas that need, uh, time and attention and certainly money. And that brings me into, uh, not the money aspect, but the, the puck support foundation. And I mean, I wanted to, um, talk to you a little bit about that and, and, um, I think you know a little bit about it, um, just from what's on social media. What we're trying to do is, um, you know, be there for for men and women, boys and girls, uh, players, coaches, um, family members of hockey players if they're struggling because they're you know their family member is struggling or whatever. Um, you know, like in in my case, it would have been my dad, you know, or or whatever because I was struggling. You know what I mean? We want to be able to offer help in any and all situations to the hockey community. 
And um, I would, uh, you know, I'd love for you to to come on at some sort of capacity. I know you're busy with work, but um, we're going to be uh, out in Alberta next April for the world's longest hockey game uh, through the Guinness Book of World Records. And it's on the Sutsina First Nations um, Reserve. They have a beautiful uh, state-of-the-art uh, ice rink and sportsplex there. And uh they're doing uh, an excellent job putting it together. But, I mean, Wacy Rabbit, um, who is uh, of native descent, he was a Western Hockey League guy. He's playing over in Europe. He's uh, coming on board. He's he's going to be there as one of our um, ambassadors. And, of course, I'm going to be there. Mike's going to be there. But um, it is, of course, on a, on a First Nations um, Native Reserve. Um, I took Native Studies in high school, actually, when I was in Swift Current from course in correspondence, which is um, kind of interesting. And I did all, when I was in jail, I did all the Native healings um, as much as possible, everything from the peace pipe to sweat lodges to smudging, um, just to um, circle talks. We even did um, like a feast, um, not in your typical um, tradition traditional style because I was incarcerated but um, I was very thankful that uh, the Nilo would come and and give the medicines and I made a medicine bag and everything so um, I'm really big into that and just the spiritual aspect of the way that the native culture looks at the world and and uh, everything like that is sort of if I was to believe in in like one thing and all of it they're like the their way of uh their outlook and perspective is very close to what I would see. And um, so I was very thankful that those were available to me. But um, I can't wait to get out to the Sutsina First Nations. I've never been out there, but just to meet the people, um, you know, everybody involved. But uh, if you can make it out there, it's 12 days long. But if you could come out even just for a day, two, the weekend, whatever, um, it's going to be 12 days of a, a hockey game going on for 12 days straight. Um, we're raising money for the Puck Sport Foundation, Kids Sport, and multiple other charities. So um, we've talked about it. Me and Mike have talked about it. If you can make it down or, or you know, even an appearance by Zoom video or something, we, we would sure appreciate that, Dodie, because, uh, you know, um, all of us uh, from the Puck Sport Foundation, you know, know who you are. Um, we grew up in the era of the 90s. Um, and, uh, you know, we think it's pretty cool if, uh, we could get you involved. We, we got guys like Darren McCarty, who you also fought, <laughs> who's a friend of mine. He's involved and, and lots of people. So I would love to talk to you about that more, maybe in a couple of weeks down the road, see if, uh, we can't get you linked in, in some capacity, if you'd be willing, Doty. Yeah, I know that sounds good. Uh, I, well, I know a few of my family members that are listening to this, they're going to be laughing right now because. My nickname up here is Doty No Show. I always say I'm going to do something, and then I don't ever go. So I can imagine them if I said yes, I'd be on board. They're probably giggling, but it would be something that like I do have a couple ideas just by just having the the podcast with you that I'd like to talk to you off air about. Just absolutely to something that like uh, to do with that fight video. I will I will get a copy to you, and then we could talk about. Uh, like after you look at it and just give me some options, maybe there's something that we could tie that into. Somehow. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely like to do that for you and get it all out to YouTube and uh, fuck. If it's, there's so many fights, I'd even make a Doty Wood fight channel. It, it wouldn't take me very long. And I think it's important um, for those videos to be out there because um, listen, if people want to, 
hate on fighting and hockey and, and and blame fighting for all of these issues that guys have gone through like Derek Bugard and Rick Ribbon. Listen, were they fighters? I am not disputing that. But guess what? They were also human beings with outside issues that were going on. And did they have concussions? I'm sure they did. But I've talked to every single hockey player. Or no, I haven't talked to every single hockey player. But every single player that I've talked to, um, boys, girls, men and women that play hockey, have all told me that concussions that they've experienced yes some have come from fighting but the majority come from high-speed collisions hits or even when you're not paying attention just a little collision and your brain gets shook you get a little rock that is the problem there's more concussions from high-speed collisions than fights so if you want to blame concussions and all of this on fighting I believe that's wrong and you need to start looking at changing the equipment and and slowing down the game. But how the hell are you going to do that? Because then it's not, you know what I mean? So it's just interesting. I think it's important for us to get these videos out there and keep that um, that old hockey, you know, that, that alive. Like the best, I know there's lots of videos out there, but we need more. We need Dodie Woods videos. I want them. Get them to me. Let's talk about it. Um, and we'll make them available to the world. I know you got to get back to work, Dodie, but um, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, hopefully, we can do it again sometime, maybe in person. Um, you know, sit down and when we meet each other face to face. Dodie no show or whatever they call it. That's pretty funny. Um, who knows? Maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can make it happen, and we can. Uh, we can uh, throw it in their face and be like, see. We changed him. He's no longer Doty No Show. He made it. Uh, but well, I've been trying, but but uh, twelve days. Well, if you're up there, uh, that's around Calgary area, I do believe, right? Yeah. Like like, like that's only a ten hour drive for me, and like I know it sounds long, ten hours, but when you live up north, that's not really that long of a drive. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, it's and, twelve days long, so you could come at any time during the twelve days uh, for a day or two or whatever. We'll figure out a hotel for you, everything. Like, we'll 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 get it done. Um, okay. I'd love that. Bring your nephews, whoever you know what I mean. Pack the car. Um, we'd love to have you down there, and uh, you know, just see what see what's going on. Guinness Book of World Records is pretty cool. Get the Puck Support Foundation sure. out there and get you involved. So, Dodie Wood, sure. thanks, man. I, I. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I know you had to take uh, time off work. Um, and I really, really appreciate you doing this, man. All the way from Chetwin, BC. All good. Thank you for having me again. It was awesome. All right, Dodie. We'll do it again. Okay. Talk soon, man. Yeah, bye. Guys, that's Dodie Wood. Um, what a great conversation. That guy is awesome. What a nice guy. Um I'm so thankful I was able to connect with him. Uh, there was a time over the last day, 24 hours, I was getting pretty stressed out because um, I'll be honest, we were supposed to talk Friday night and I fell asleep. I'm three hours ahead of him and I was midnight. We were supposed to talk 9, 9 p.m. his time. And I passed out on the couch and uh, I was really, I felt horrible. Um, <clears throat> and ultimately I didn't get the episode done and he couldn't uh, get the time off work yesterday. Um, which is not his fault. It's my fault 100%. So I appreciate him taking an hour, hour and a half away from his job today um, and joining me on Hockey Day on the Road to Recovery, episode 35. Thank you again to Dodie Wood, guys. Um, oh, man, I'm just so thankful um, 
for everything. Thank you for listening. Um, I truly appreciate it. Um, if anybody has a beer league team, if your kid plays minor hockey, um, please reach out to me. I would love to show you our products at Verbero Hockey. I would love the opportunity to um, put a catalog together, customize colors and for your team and your logo, um, get you some prices on tracksuits and polos and quarter zips and pant shells, gloves, sticks, skates, goalie gear, whatever, helmets. Um, we do it all, water bottles, bags. Um, I would really appreciate it. Um, I'm broke. <laughs> I have no money um, and I'm trying to build it from the ground up. And I want to do it the right way. And I'm working hard. And I know it's going to happen. But if anybody is ordering jerseys or socks or tracksuits or gear or anything, before you do, I would really, really appreciate it if you could talk to me first and give me a shot. Just to show you our products. Come in around the same price point or hopefully cheaper. Um, and ultimately, you're helping and supporting me and my family on my new journey. Uh, and we would really, really appreciate that. But also, guys, Verbero is the Bugatti of hockey, superior products, and you're not going to be disappointed. Go to verbero.com, reach out to me on social media, at hockey to heroin, um, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget to download the, the app, Test Flight, uh, and then send me a message or go on my Facebook page for the link or my Twitter. Click the link and download Locker Room, but you got to download Test Flight first. I'm going to be on there every Saturday night um, and probably most days. So if you like listening, if you like hearing uh, what's going on, um, please, please download uh, the Locker Room app. Um, other than that, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 35. I apologize that it took a little longer. Uh, it wasn't out on Saturday. Going forward, I will definitely correct this. Um, I'm so grateful that I'm clean and sober, guys. I have a smile on my face. Thank you to Dodie Wood. Thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to my dad, Brian, for all his support and love over the years. My mom, Susan, um, who was so great to me while I was in jail and going through a lot of rough times. So thank you, Mom. I love you. Um, thank you to Taylor um, for continuing to put up with my bullshit on a daily basis. Um, hopefully I'm going to get on my meds again soon. I'm just waiting for that uh, report to come because as you know, I got my mental health check. So if you're struggling, guys, please, please reach out. If not to me, to somebody else. If you need some help, if you don't know where to start, reach out to me. I'll find you the help that you need. I'll find you resources. I'll put you in contact with my people, the people that I believe can help you. Um, I do not have all the answers. I am not a medical professional, but I have fucking oodles and oodles of life experience in mental health and addiction um, and I would love to share my life experiences with you certainly everything that works for me will not work for you but I will tell you that there is always always hope always hope it's just about choices just decide right now just decide right now that you're gonna have a beautiful beautiful life and it starts right now in this second so when you stop this episode remember what i say when i say have a great day if you so choose have a great day guys i'm gonna leave you with the full version of turbo racing after me fired up
chasing after me Saw you call her ID on my iPhone screen They hit me up, I hang them up, bitch, you know what I mean Cause I'm hard to get, hard to reach, hard as shit, hard to read I got plenty bitches that be chasing after me Kills. Ass so fat that I slapped it back to Texas Ripping on my choker, I ain't never on a necklace I'm so fucking high right now, I feel like I'm on Nexus Nike, I'm a runner, bitch up if you try to check Saw you call her ID on my iPhone screen They hit me up, I hang them up, bitch, you know what I mean Cause I'm hard to get, hard to reach, hard as shit, hard to read I got plenty bitches that be chasing after me Saw you call her ID